Why are boys so obsessed with superheroes? We discuss this and more with special guest Blaine Eldridge on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for those who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, master of monologues. And with me, as always, is my hauntingly heroic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, lover of superheroes, and someone who might delusionally believe he is one sometimes <laughs> in his imagination. I can be your hero, baby. And real quick, I'm going to take this opportunity to... Um, announced, well, I probably already teased it. I, I, I probably already talked about it, but uh, I have a new book coming out and it's on, you know, somewhat in today's subject. It's called The Way of Kings. And I'm so excited to announce it. It's it's 41 letters written kind of in the style of, a, of one king writing to another king. It's wisdom, it's practical advice and insight um, through a biblical narrative um, and perspective, but it's something that has really been on my heart and uh, and I'm really excited to release it to the world. So if there's a man in your life, if you are a man in your life, um, <laughs> please, I'd love for you to pick up this book about called The Way of Kings, which is all about discovering kind of the story that God has for us to tell in the world. Um, so please go check that out. It's available for order. I don't know when the podcast comes out. It should be available for pre-order or order right now, um, but it's called The Way of Kings. And uh, that is my plug. Cool. Joseph? Yes. And with us today is a very special guest. He is a one-time academic and writer, the co-founder of Ann Sons Magazine and Podcast for Men, Mount Vigil, and the Front Range Homestead Alliance. He lives on a homestead with his wife and two children, is exclusively allegiance to Jesus on most days, and he'll read any book with Mesopotamia in the title. He is the brave, the brainy, the brazen, Blaine Eldridge. Blaine. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. Wow, you guys. Great to be here. I feel a little bit like I jumped in with uh, a faster group that I meant to pacing a marathon. So <laughs> we'll see if I can keep up with you two. But well, we're 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 admi big admirers of yours. So I, I don't think that you should have uh, too too much trouble with that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. And I'm just going to double plug anything that Nathan writes. If you have any interest, listeners, in the development of your soul, go get that book. Oh my gosh, you have a guy who went out there and wrote you something that you could consider from a peer. Don't let it be pearls before swine. Find the book and read it, please. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. I like wow. this guy. Yes. I like this guy. He plugs our stuff for us. On yeah, our show. That's, that's great. Yes. You can come back anytime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, cool. Oh, and anyway, if you guys enjoy this show and want to engage more with our overthinkers, uh, other other topics, other overthinking, or other people's other people, fellow overthinkers like yourself, Nathan, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com or they can find out more about their hosts and send us all their love and hate mail and tell us how wrong or right we were and give us ideas for future episodes. They can also head over to our online community on Facebook. It's a private group called the Overthinkers where we have now over 4,000 overthinkers like yourself sharing memes, getting involved in good natured discussions about the deep questions of life, art, culture, philosophy, and faith. And we'd love to have you there. And please leave a review. It really does help us so very much and share with a friend. Awesome. Everybody ready to dive in? Let's do it. Today, we're talking about why boys love superheroes. I think it's safe to say that superheroes dominate pop culture nowadays. 
This year alone, seven studio blockbusters are superhero movies, including The Batman, Doctor Strange 2, Flashpoint, Black Adam, and Aquaman, and many more TV shows, including but not limited to Peacemaker, Superman and Lois, The Flash, and The Boys. And while everyone seems to be on the superhero train, boys still lead the pack when it comes to being fans of the genre. Aside from reading comic books, you know, the, this includes movies, all the forms of media. Many have argued this is because women aren't as represented in the superhero genre, but demographic breakdowns from outlets like Charged with Dan, Beyond the Trailer, and Screen Ranch show consistently that men are more likely to see superhero movies than women, even if the protagonist is female, such as with Captain Marvel, Black Widow, Birds of Prey, one woman being the only exception. Of course, parents who watch their little boys put on capes and run around fighting bad guys almost as soon as they're able to walk will not find this surprising. But not all find this positive or even benign a phenomenon. One mom wrote in a piece in The Guardian titled, These Men Are Bad Role Models, Will My Son Get Over His Superhero Obsession, where she expressed her concern that superheroes promoted violence and aggression and other negative character traits. Lane, you've been involved in discussions of storytelling and men and masculinity for a long time. What is it about superheroes that you think that makes them so appealing to boys and men? And do you think that this to be a more positive, negative, or benign thing? That is a great question with a very simple answer. It is the telos of humanity competing with the collapse of culture for the human soul. Next topic. And that's the end of that chapter. Perhaps you can elaborate on that a little that, bit. That's, but that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, tell us a little more about what, you, what do you mean the telos of humanity? Parse these out a little bit because this is really interesting. I love that answer. And what do you mean? And how does what does that how does that connect to the collapse of culture? What is this answering? What is the felt need here that is connected with you? And by the way, do you like superheroes? And have you liked superheroes? And what is why is this happening? Because there is a collapse of culture, and you're right. This is a telos of humanity. How do these things connect? Oh, you guys, these are such these are such great topics, and. I know that you've been pondering it, so I do want to know uh, your your answers to those questions. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? But I'll take it from a few angles. Uh, one, I, I sort of love superhero movies with, you know, caveats hung on that. But basically, yes. Am I, am I gearing up with a crowd of movie govers to see the Batman tomorrow? Of course I am. I have, I worked so hard to avoid the marketing materials so that I, I actually do not know what the movie is about. Now, what's interesting to me in the conversation with superheroes is that people really do want to dip their toes into the shallow water. And if you just kind of, you know, go running to the edge of the dock and sail into the deep end, I found that my friends get a little more upset. They don't like the conversation as much. And the shallow water, you know, is in its nature still a part of the water, so it's valuable. And I think that includes things like that. I think that the shallow water of superheroes uh, is to talk about the shifting values inside our cultural landscape, something about the fact like, you can, you know, you can track inside the development of superheroes sort of from the Cold War on hmm. what makes an individual significant. And you have the, you know, the sort of Venn diagram, the, the, the overlapping circles of belonging with someone like Captain America 
who's heroic, you know, and, and a very old superhero because of where he sits at the intersection of a form of maleness, this form of Americanness, a form of being a veteran, a form of the conflicts he participated in. And so he is, more than any of them, a representative of a group. And then you get the trend towards people being significant because of what sets them apart from other people, which I think that just, just in general terms, long term, that's disastrous. That's um, people are formed relationally. Mm. Our nature is shaped by our core attachments and the people we love. And if we're working as a people to sever our core attachments and replace them with atomization, individuation, being, being a lone individual, we're tracking towards less character, which mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the most recent, uh, the most recent wave of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just hysterical in this regard, because I do see them trying to come up with a way to tell a compelling story in a meaningless environment. Uh, and I'm like, wow, you guys, this, how are you going to kind of get your way out of this one? But I'm going to throw the deep one, deep end in first. As, as well here, just to preface the conversation, which would be that uh, heroes in the history of civilization, right, they have a story attached to them, and they have a story of divinization. Gilgamesh is two parts God, one part man. If you're at all intrigued in how it's possible that he had three parents, we could take that sidetrack. Uh, and the ancient heroes are always the product of human and divine unions. And they even play a role in uh, the story uh, of the Hebrew Bible, where they're described by an old Akkadian word that only occurs just the one time. And people had a hard time figuring out what it meant. But there is the heroic tendency in humanity which way back there, way back in the hinterland of time, we have human beings interacting with the divine to express power. Mm. I think that's where we see the telos of humanity represented in superheroes and go, uh, human beings are in their nature collaborative. We're meant to work together with the spiritual, which is going to have to eventually be attached to a person. You're gonna have to pick the God you'd like to serve and out of that collaboration comes creativity. Well, the, the funny thing is that most of those collaborations and so disastrously when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls for you sort of like ancient world nerds, you know, it was um, a bunch, the largest repository of texts from the second temple period, which is like, you know, 587 BC on uh, and it, it was just more material about the culture life of that period in the middle of Mesopotamia than anything they'd found. And they found this book called The Book of Giants. And this book was a warning to humanity. Uh, and it named the superhero divinized kings. It was, it's sort of one of the hit list documents of the ancient world where it's going to say, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you who these people are and watch out for them. Do not believe what you heard. And one of the names, for example, on the Book of Giants, listed in the Book of Giants, is Gilgamesh, where he gets called out uh, as 
listen, that guy, not your friend, not a hero. He did incredibly shady stuff. He abused the ability of human beings to interact with the divine, to create beauty, to bring death. So that would be, I, I know that, sorry, I'm sorry, that's a long rant, but I would in general say, you know, they're fascinating culturally. They're also fascinating because, you know, if, if there were, if we didn't deeply identify with superheroes, with some of them in particular, there would be no story to tell, right? So mm -hmm. there must be something in in the in the character itself, in the role itself that we identify with. And I think that's what human beings are for. That's fantastic. No, I, I absolutely love one. Thank you for that. That was yeah. absolutely beautiful. I love that you brought the historical, not just recent history, but ancient history. Yeah. And you you give us this context that this isn't, you know, the word superhero is something that, you know, has popped in the vernacular of, of, of modernity in the past little while, maybe let's say a hundred years or so. Um, but really the concept is ancient, right? The concept of like you're talking about Gilgamesh and you go through the Greek myths and you see again, people kind of with this um, unique people with unique abilities with almost godlike powers yeah. or actual godlike powers. And so you see that this is a constant thread all the way back for thousands of years that that humanity uh, creates and looks to and maybe even idolizes, but uh, envisions and aspires towards these kind of quote unquote superhero characters. And this hasn't just been happening in the last century, but for centuries yeah. beyond centuries. And so there's something deeply human here about our, our draw towards superheroes. And I guess what's interesting to me is very often people kind of go, oh, superheroes are for kids. And, and, you know, that's very nice, but you'll grow up one day and you'll stop desiring or wanting or being obsessed with or interested in superheroes. But as we've seen, that's not the case. You know, you, you have these superhero movies and TV shows, which are, by the way, very campy and, and silly and they're punching and making quips, but there's still something in them is connecting with the heart of humanity and specifically, like Joseph pointed out in the opening, specifically men. There's something in the superhero um, mystique that is connecting to um, men and who we want to be and who we wish we were. And you brought up um, the, di the divisiveness um, that we see within this culture mm -hmm. and how it's breaking down culture. In fact, the, I'm such an individualist that um, I actually have cut myself off from any connection or like-mindedness or uh, shared similarities with anyone else because I need to be this um, unique uh, individual. And interestingly enough, I think superheroes, uh, there's so many different ways to take this and there's something else that but we'll, I'll bring it up later. But one thing I noticed about superheroes that's very interesting to me is, yes, you have the presence of, like you're talking about Captain America or Wonder Woman or whoever it might be, uh, Batman, Superman, they are very unique in their abilities and they, and they stand out. They have these unique abilities. And Joseph, you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. But the interesting thing is they're unique in their abilities, but almost every, at least major superhero franchise, um, you find a coalition of unique people. Yeah. So it, it's Superman and the Justice League. It's Captain America and the Avengers. And so what you see is this, is this place where people are allowed to be unique, but with a common purpose and their uniquenesses actually connect them. Because we're always fighting this thing, right? I want to be unique, but I also want to be within community. And I think that's something that's really lays in the heart of men. I want to be unique, man. I want to be uniquely strong or powerful or capable, but I also 
would like, you know, deep in our hearts desire to do that in a community where our, um, where our um, unique skills and quote unquote powers are appreciated and used for a common goal of creating a better world. And I think you see that reflected in the modern superhero stories. You have a collection of unique individuals working together towards a common goal in a community. So you're allowed to be unique and both part of a community at the same time which is an interesting thing that I, I think we see in this that I think is in the heart of the Well, man. and they step, they, they even uh, take that a step further now that they're doing multiverse stories because you literally have then the entire franchises that used to be separate franchises now being connected into one by mm -hmm. saying, by the, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is connecting the one Spider-Man franchise with the other Spider-Man franchises. So yes, we're unique, like I'm Spider-Man, but there are other Spider-Man as well. That is, so this, this dialectic between being unique and being connected both to um, others and to the divine, I mean, you know, with a purpose, with a well. purpose, with a purpose is a really interesting uh, dialectic that that is the superhero stories are struggling with. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so, uh, but I think that's kind of a th one of the things that's at the heart of a man, right? Yes. You have a little boy and you look at, I'm talking like a little boy, like I was a little boy and you put on the cape and he goes, now I have superpowers. And he feels unique and interesting and strong. Um, but what does he do? He runs outside to his friends, yes. right? Because he wants to be unique, but he also wants to be unique within a community with a shared common purpose of making the world a more beautiful place. So I do think superhero stories answering that God-given, God-programmed desire in the heart of men to want to fight to make the world a good place, to, to stand up against evil, and to uniquely be able to, to uh, do that with your own uniqueness and individuality, but within the context of a community. And I think that is one of the ways that superhero um, uh, myths, modern myths, do that. Um, but you also brought up another interesting um, Thing, and I'd love to hear your feedback on it, which is superhero stories are unique in that, uh, or especially popular now, in the middle, in the context of a society that is falling apart, in a society where maybe morality, maybe ethics are all different, it's subjective, we all have a different view of the world, we're constantly arguing over what is right, what is wrong, and so superheroes come along and they give us this kind of moral ethic and framework, especially in the absence of religion having power within within society. What do you think, is there anything there that is kind of, that could be explored that reaches the heart of men looking for an ethic and morality in an age where everything is falling apart and it kind of gives you this, no, there still is good to be fought for. Is there anything there? What, what do you think about that? Because you, you brought it up and I thought it was really interesting in a crumbling society. I can't remember what you said, but it was a great way to put it. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, we're the meeting places in reality. The ability to share meaning and coordinate action are evaporating. And I'm just gonna send people a couple places because there is, there's such a deep cynicism in humanity right now. And uh, man, I, I get it, I get it. The problem is that we inhabit a shared common world mm -hmm. and that discovering its features is one and navigating it. And, you know, there's this edict that happens in the prologue of the Bible in the first three chapters, you know, fill the world and subdue it. 
which relates to take what is empty and wasteful, fill it with beauty, life, and order. And when we find ourselves unable to share a moment, to share meaning in a shared environment, we can't work together to do that. So I would just say like, listen, maybe we're bored uh, about hearing how society is breaking apart. I, I would just say, take two, go on two adventures, go find the ecologist mathematician, Peter Turchin, and look at what he discovered. The societal sort of breaking apart that we're in is, is very, is very unique. If you are even nerdier, go find a very old philosopher, Ibn Khaldun, and who in many ways was the first person to observe social cycles theory. Go, go find what he saw. His, he was absolutely prescient and brilliant. And it will help you uh, to realize like, oh, okay. So actually we are losing meeting places in reality. This is what a culture coming apart feels like. That's good to know because that equips me to navigate my time. Anyway, sorry, back to, um, I wanna, I wanna actually ask a question back on like, um, you know, wanting uh, in superheroes being so important because they orient us to good and evil because they, you know, turn up the intensity on the contrast inside the world. One of the ways that I think it's interesting to see what they're doing would be, and, and I want you guys, I'd love to hear your answers to this question is, Look for the superheroes that you identify with the most. Look for the superheroes that you hate the most. They're telling you something really important. So uh, like favorite, least favorite, you two. Who do you love? Who do you absolutely detest in the superhero pantheon? This is a great question. Wow. Do you want to go first, Joseph? Because I, I want to dissect yeah. who we are. But yeah. you have to answer the question too, Blaine. You don't get out of this. You don't get out of your own question. <laughs> oh, I will definitely. Yeah, no, we'll um, show my cards. I'm going to. I'm going to say I, I I go back and forth and sort of split down the middle in terms of favorites between two sort of unlikely ones. Um, not not unlike just unlikely that you're together, but as Iron Man and Superman. Hmm. Um, because and and I I really like how. Oh, they, those are like opposites, man. Right. That's that's why it always fascinates people. But um, I really like how they both are able to navigate um, navigate uh, a, a kind of confident masculinity that takes responsibility for its actions. Uh, Superman, I really like because he really is he's a, he's a he's ba- unifies goodness and power basically. Mm. But to a certain degree, he does that by um, uh, by simplifying the world into something more simple than it is. Um, and he doesn't always seem like he's having a lot of fun while he's doing it. Um, mm. I like the fact that Iron Man, he is able to navigate and recognize that the world is complicated and not try to make it less complicated, but still try to take responsibility for his actions within it. Ah. And also he's able to be an adult, like he can be CEO of a company and take on responsibilities while also seeming like he's having fun. So those two aspects of it, th- those two characters really sort of have a lot of wish fulfillment to me in terms of what manhood sort of uh, looks like. Um, I would say if I'm going to do least favorite, I, it's always been for me the Punisher. 
Um, oh. And for me, it, it, he just is a, a very nihilistic, destructive character who's like decides for himself, okay, these are the people who ought to die and I'm going to do it. It's unilateral. Yeah, without accountability to governments or people or, um, and, and, and it's just purely destructive. It's like, okay, I'm going to kill these people on my own to decide, and that's going to solve the problem. And that seems to me that he's, he's utilitarian. Not, he's, yeah, he's out, he's, he's not holding himself up to a higher standard um, that's worth aspiring to. And, he, and so that to me always uh, very much uh, seemed to be anti what superheroes are supposed to be. So that's, that's for me. What would you say, Nathan? Well, I'm gonna ask Blaine because our heater just started and, and it will end eventually. But, <laughs> but Blaine, I'm gonna mute us and I want you to tell us your favorite superheroes while and, my and heater goes off. Yes, and least favorite and why? Psychoanalyze yourself. It's our favorite thing to do. Oh man. Superman, Iron Man, Contra the Punisher. That is such an intriguing set of characters. Uh, mine, mine is very easy where I'm, I'm with you for Superman. I also, you know, many of my friends here in Colorado do not like Captain America. He's too self-righteous. He's too simple. I love Captain America. But I also love any superhero in that type. So Black Panther comes along and I go, yes, this guy is fantastic. Love him. Uh, and then you don't have to go all the way to the Punisher for me. You could just go to Batman and Iron Man. Uh, and then the ones that are way out there that I just think are totally ridiculous and I do not care are ones like Vision or... Doctor Strange or, or, or any such person. It's just like, no, no. Interesting. What is that, what's so intriguing to me, though, is that is the ways that I've seen how these superheroes represent my preferred version of the best story that I can tell about, about myself. Uh, which is ooh, that's that a quote right there virtuous people yeah is that virtuous people make good decisions and mm. the problem you know C captain america's great problem is that he truly cannot see his own failure his own insufficiency and oddly enough in the arc of that universe the storytellers seem to say that he's right. They seem to say, yeah. it, you know, these other guys, Iron Man tried to make a defense ring around the planet, but, but what we did need was an exceptional individual who could do the right thing most of the time. Now, ha, huh, you want Jesus, that's who you want. <laughs> uh, but I feel you and I want to be that person. Um, then I look over at sort of the Batmans and the... Iron Man's, and I just, I do, I, I am frustrated by their ambivalence, but it's also because personally, man, I really prefer decisive, clear scenarios to ambiguity. It's just, that is a trait of my personality. I like when there's a right thing to do because it takes the guesswork out of existence, right? And so when I look at those guys who just go, listen, there are a range of possibilities here. There are 
trade-offs to anything that we do. This is what we're going to try to do. It, it just made me so mad, I think, in a productive way because it, it brought in this kind of alternative, but, but what if part of expressing masculinity, part of expressing power in a way that begins to resemble love means having to make unclear choices and deal with the consequences of those, which are all things that I do not like. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, you, you embody something that I, you embody a part uh, or a possibility of navigating this world, navigating this world as a man in my case. It's like my least favorite part of experience. Get, I would way rather just camp out with the, the Captain Americas who are like, save as many people as you can, that is the only thing you ever have to do unless someone who, you know, matters to you and then you can be loyal for a few minutes and like, <laughs> but basically do whatever you feel is right. Do whatever you feel is right in the moment and you're always a hero. But I, but I do have to kind of look at that character eventually and go, that's just, that's just not wise. And I love your your commitment to righteousness, but I, but I can't be you because I do have to consider, you know, the, the inability of people to make a decision that's demonstrably correct. Mm, that's, this is very interesting. Cause so, all right. No, th this is great. You guys, turn. Yeah. You, you guys set me up because there's a through line here that we're all touching on from different personality perspectives, from different, um, you know, experience, lived experience, like you say, Joseph. But it's really interesting how, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give mine. I, there's an interesting connection here. So initially, if you've ever read any of my books or, or listened yeah. to me talk, you know that my favorite superhero since I was a kid was Superman. And it, the reason Superman was my favorite as a kid um was because of what you were both saying he made joseph you, you said something about the world he made the world more simple yeah than perhaps it was and, and you talked about captain america which is essentially a superman type where he just always did the right thing and that it always turns out okay because there's a clear cut this is right this is wrong and at the end of the day they're uh, both Ca uh, captain america and superman i love that superman was a consistently moral person. He always did the right thing. And as a young boy, I love that. I wanted to be the hero that was just always good, always made the right decision. And then I grew up and I experienced um, life that really hit me in the face. Welcome punch. And I thought I was going to be Superman in the world. I thought I was always going to know the moral decision to make. I thought I was, the bad guys are going to make themselves obvious. I will never be the bad guy. I will always be punching the bad guy. And then all of a sudden, I grew up and you know, went through my um, adolescence and kind of grew into a young man. And I started making huge mistakes. I started doing, I, I, I did things that I was ashamed of. I, I started making even well-intentioned mistakes that had disastrous results. Um, and so all of a sudden I looked at myself as a young man, maybe in my early twenties, and I contrasted that man with who I was as a boy. You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this and not join them. And I go, am I the Superman that I wanted to be? I've tried and I continue to try, but I don't think I'm living up to this ideal of the Superman who always knows what to do and, and he always makes the right decision. And whenever he does, the world turns out better. I thought I was going to be that in my world very often. You know, there's good things too, but very often it's broken. And I, and I make mistakes and I doubt and I, 
and I have all these things that are really difficult to deal with. And all of a sudden I found myself being drawn towards Batman, who is now my favorite. So my favorite was Superman. And then it became Batman because Batman to me started articulating the, the how do I say it? the um, the nuance and unclarity of goodness mm-hmm. and, and the world around me. And in fact, Batman gave me this image of what it looks like to continue to try to fight for good, even in the midst of difficult situations, darkness, um, even personal failings, but it's still possible to be a hero and to continually continue to edge and move towards that vision um, of a hero, even in the midst of chaos and darkness in a way that I hadn't discovered in Superman. And so I always say that initially my favorite hero was Superman because he was good and always in the right decision to make. And then my, my favorite hero became Batman because he was good even when he didn't always know the right decision to make. And there's also two, in the two different worlds. So it's interesting to, to see this kind of through line, all of us wrestling with this topic um, and I'll give you my least favorite one, but you have a thought. Oh, no, no, go, go, go ahead. Give your least favorite one. Um, this is difficult. I have, a, there's a lot of ones I just don't care about as yeah. much. I have a harder time, you know, I would say like um, Doctor Strange, I have a harder time caring about his arc. Um, to me, it, I, I don't know why he seems a little pompous. Maybe it's just that mm-hmm. shallow, um, but I, I have a hard time with Doctor Strange. I mean, he thinks himself better than everyone else, but because he is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my actual, the one, funnily enough, I still love, I still love him, but my actual, like the one I have the hardest time loving would be Captain America, because mm. like you said, he oversimplifies the world and he believes that his oversimplification of the world is justification to everything he does. Yeah. And he, and he doesn't look at the nuance and difficulty um, of the reality we're living in. And um, now obviously the, the movies tend to reward him yeah. in that view, like you pointed out, Blaine. Um, but he's the one I have a hardest time, I would say, in, in gendering myself to really love him. Sure. Um, yeah. Even though I still love him. But yeah, yeah so th- those are mine. What are your thoughts? I was, I was, so like, this is really interesting because, so like, I don't know, when, I mean, obviously, you know, we all, we all love superheroes, you know, uh, as a kid. Like I loved superheroes as a kid. It was one of the, it's funny because my, like my mom tells a story of like how she tried to introduce me to a whole bunch of different things to see what my interests would be. And when she introduced me to superheroes, it was like, I never looked back. It was like, okay, this is a thing that I was going for. And I, I didn't really kind of exactly understand like why until like years later. But one of the things I've, I've we've talked about, about this on the podcast before that, you know, there's a certain way that, and I don't want to see how what you think of this and all the things we talked about, more blame, but there's a certain thing that men are sort of confronted with in the world which at a certain point, particularly when we become teenagers, and actually the first Spider-Man film does a good job of sort of articulating this, is sort of this ability to have disproportionate coercive power mm. um, that to, to, for in generally, to have more physical, co- potential physical coercive power than at least half of the population. Mm. Um, and then also sort of a body that is, you know, always pushing and saying, hey, you want to punch things or carve up the world. You want to subdue the world, don't you? And kind of, um, you know, sort of like, yeah, like as a kid, it's like all I wanted to do was run outside and either break things or build things um, and, and, and make, you know, put, plant my flag somewhere and, and, you know, with a cape on. And the, what the cult, I found is that really the culture, the culture sort of outside of superheroes really gives guys two choices. It's like, okay, you either are going to have to be a, someone who exercises that power be a strong man, 
or you're going to have to pretend that power doesn't exist and squash it, be a weak man. You're going to be a good weak man or a bad strong man. I always, and people get mad at me for this, but I always give the example of that you can be James Bond or you can be Kristoff from Frozen, mm. um, which is you can be someone who is powerful, who is confident, um, and, and, and is able to get use that power to get what he wants, but he used, treats everybody as expendable and disposable as he does it, whether it's his relationships with women or the, you know, the people he kills. Or you can be Kristoff, who is good, nice, kind, empathetic, all those things, but he's not capable of standing up to his girlfriend, which makes him a weak man to most men, and I would say rightfully so. And, but of course, the, the, the movies reward him for that. They say, see, this is the man you should be because that's a good man, even though they sort of ignore the fact that he can't stand up with his girlfriend. And I think the superheroes are really some of the only places consistently growing up I saw where you had men who both had power and exercised power in a way that was glorious and seemed admirable, and I would like to have that, but it was combined with virtue. And it was combined with note that they this power is benefits them by making them great, but it also is ones that orients them onto the service of others. And of course, by constantly contrasting, you said like in high contrast with villains, it meant that admiring Superman for his goodness meant that you had to, you wanted to be somebody who was good as well, because the alternative was to be the villain who you didn't like, who had power and used it for evil. So be, loving a superhero meant loving power and goodness. And that was uh, a unity between those things that really didn't see other places. And I think that's an interesting thing that that is a through line we're talking about here with trying to unify these things and all the superheroes we like most and dislike most. Does that resonate with you? Do you have pushback or, or ways you would have elaborate that on that further? Well, and, 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 and real quick, I want to, we're going to wrap up here. I'll give you the last things. Joseph, on yours, I, I love that idea that men were made to be powerful and affect change. Um, but toxic masculinity, the popular yes. word that we have so often, is power inappropriately yes. um, applied to the world. Yes. And so superheroes gives us vision for power. Uh, God has given you power. Here's how to appropriately yeah. apply it to the world, which is for goodness. Now, Blaine, I want you to wrap us up here um, off of that. But also, you mentioned something earlier, I think would be a great place to close here you mentioned that the world is cynical and that the one one of the through lines we see in superhero films is that we still believe there's good to be fought for that there's somewhat of a lack of cynicism at least in a lot of the of the um of the superhero genre so as we're looking you know kind of talking about these the powerful men uh using their good for power and just the cynicism that the through line of nihilism that is just all throughout uh, pervasive in our in our culture and and uh cynicism what do all these things kind of wrap us up have to do with superheroes who men were made to be um a lot of packed question yeah. wrap us up short and and good 25 words or less yeah exactly <laughs> no we're kidding, we're kidding. Uh, yes. take as long as you need um but the cynicism of the world and the superheroes antidote they're still going to be fought for and that men can utilize power that they were made to have in a good and beautiful way to bring about something they can be strong and good so there you go. We're giving it to you. Give us the last word. Wow! Thanks for the last word, you two. <laughs> uh, what a what a what a fun conversation. My my last word on this, as, as I try to think for a moment of the men and women listening, is is both a word of identification and a warning. Mm. And 
and they ride together. So right now, I, I, I feel convinced that, you know, even from, let's say, a business perspective, that the that the heyday of the superhero renaissance is over mm. and that not only in in the reach of the media but in the ability of that superhero story to get people to be a part of the same story for a while mm. and right now whatever your chosen mythology is the marvel universe star wars you're being inundated. You're being flooded with content that does not fit together. Mm. And the Star Wars franchise is running into the problem of what they described as Star Wars fatigue. In my circles, even among, you know, fortunate enough to hang out with a lot of younger guys in the work that I do and, and teenagers and all the way down, and they're there is there is a bone deep exhaustion around the superhero conversation and around uh, you know it's what the certain existentialists call weltschmerz world weariness mm. and when exhaustion like that sets in uh, you know let's point to a real life superhero uh, Muhammad Ali mm. and. There, there's a story about him that is so instructive. Every, anytime it pops up, it makes me happy. And you guys may know this, but he had, he had a famous trainer, you know, who would stand in the corner. And when Muhammad Ali started to lose a fight, this trainer wouldn't give him technical boxing advice. He wouldn't say faint. He wouldn't go push. You know, he wouldn't say watch the left. He would just start calling out, go to the well, go to the well once more. And it was, it, it was the warning and the invitation to Muhammad Ali to go, what is that thing that is the source of, of life and power in you that keeps you fighting? Like, go there, drink. In terms of the superhero conversation, when there's this exhaustion coming in, I go, yes, yes, yes but we still become like what we love. Superheroes are really good for a society. It's really good to have a shared body of stories that we tell each other to frame our experience. And I would say you know, to the men listening who want to be a good man, especially that same exhortation, go to the well, go to the well, go to the well. What is the thing that first, you know, that first touched, yeah. uh, you know, it touched a chord in you, you identified with it. And then ultimately, I, I love being frank in this time with going, superheroes relate to a shared body of spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. What is the original of what they are but a reference. It would do you well, well, well to figure out what that is and to and to go to the original. Mm -hmm. And I'm like totally advocating here for um, 
for people to look for the immediate experience of Jesus that has been the essence of the Christian worldview for 2000 years and say, we need heroes, but we're losing heroes yeah. and we're fading into exhaustion. Our soul won't do well without an orienting attachment. You should, you should go to the well and find that again. Wow. That, that is fantastic. Can't really do better than that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's great. I, I hope everyone out there, um, this, is, this is a deeper talk on superheroes, and I think you'll probably experience other places, and I really am so excited that it went here, and that's why I knew that Blaine would be yeah. the perfect person to ask on You're here, right. yeah. because a lot of people talk about superheroes, but the way that you've explored this with us today, Blaine, has just been really, really uh, beautiful and enlightening, and I think our listeners are going to love this. Um, now we're going to move on with that amazing wrap up to a segment we all love, we all know and love called Blesses and Curses, where today we're going to bless and curse something on this topic of superheroes and, and heroism. Um, and we're going to curse things too, uh, just that you might want to stay away from or just didn't do it well. And uh, Blaine, feel free to, again, you don't have to join us. We'd love if you did. Feel free to bless a superhero film or a really good book or resource, because you are a scholar, that people might um, want to read on the themes of the things we talked today. Something might even have Mesopotamia in the title. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, if you want, we can go first, and then you can sort of see how it's done. Read all of those books. Oh, okay. I, well, I've got to, I want to hear you guys, can I, you guys, I want to go in the middle, okay? okay so I don't perfect. know who goes first and then someone back clean up. I'll rock, paper, scissors for it? No, I'll go first because cool. yours is going to be better than mine. I'm <laughs> going to, there's so many superhero films I can yeah. bless that, you know, affect me as a kid. I, I grew up in Smallville. I love Smallville. I, I haven't been back, so I don't know if it holds up. <laughs> um, you know, my Superman, uh, The Dark Knight was a monumental yeah. movie for me. But my bless today is going to, I've never done this before. I'm pre-blessing something I haven't even seen yet. Oh my gosh. But, so maybe this will this will age poorly because this is coming out in a few weeks. Um, but I'm going to pre-bless the Batman. We're going to see this on Saturday here in New York in our, in our theater, really fun. And just fun little anecdote, the premiere of uh, the Batman happened literally feet away from where we're sitting right now. We live next to the Lincoln Center and the Lincoln Center is where they had the premiere. And so I was walking to do something with a couple friends, including Joseph, and I was walking on the street and I was like, what is going on? And it's a premiere for the Batman, which yeah. is really funny. And I walk by, I'm literally walking the street and I walk by Channing Tatum. And I'm like, wait, hold on, that's Channing Tatum, <laughs> uh, which is really fun, a little name drop there. Uh, I walked by a famous guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we live in New York, in other words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was really fun because it was fun to see people excited for um, superheroes again, which I'd still do. And I think, Blaine, you, you, I think you might be right that the age of superheroes might be over, but we need to go back to the well. And, you know, I always talk about Father Gisani, who says... There's no wrong desire. Go to the heart of where that desire is. And, and I love that idea. But I'm pre-blessing the Batman. I've only seen the trailer. So controversial. I know, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be what I'm hoping for, which is a little bit of an answer, actually, to the Marvel uh, movies mm -hmm. of late, which is a complicated hero dealing with a complicated world and still, hopefully, I don't know yet, fighting for goodness. And that's what the trailer looks like. And that's what the... I, the person of Batman is. So you can at least bless the the attempt to tell do something in that direction. Yes. If you don't think that that uh, succeeds. I'll let you know next episode if it doesn't hold up, <laughs> if I if I take back my bless. But I'm blessing that. Um, I'm going to curse something. Um, I probably cursed this before. 
And again, like I always, like my caveat, I am an actor, so I will still take a role in this. If you're a producer <laughs> or a director listening to this, I will still take a Sell role out. Yeah, because <laughs> I am a poor starving artist. Uh, I will absolutely still act in it, but I'm going to curse it. Um, it. The Boys. The Boys mm. is a deconstruction. It's a series on Amazon, I believe, a deconstruction of the superhero um, uh, mythos and uh, cultural understanding. And it's very cynical and it's very... Um, uh, it, it sees, it shows um, superheroes being terrible people. And really they just look good and they're awful. And that's fine. I, I don't, you know, that's fine to take a kind of a, a deconstructionist view of it. My problem is it doesn't provide anything in place. So it says yeah. everything good is bad. Um, that everything you thought was good is actually bad. Um, that's it, and period. That's it. Yeah. period. And, and, and you're going, okay, but what now? And that that's a, a fear I have in a lot of modern entertainment is that, it's saying that everything you believe to be good was bad, you know, very postmodern. Uh, everything you used to trust in is actually terrible. But then they don't actually follow it up with any construction and saying, yeah. but here's a better way. Or here's a more hopeful figure or here's a more. And so that's what I do feel that Christians could bring to the, um, the table. And as far as messages in art and philosophy in the world is, OK, we're tearing down things that we believe to be bad because we don't trust the world anymore. But Christians can come along and say, but there is something good, you know, the go to the well. Um, there, there was something good in your desire to believe they were good at the very least. But I think the boys are just so cynical and it offers no hope or actually answer to the to the thing they tear apart. And so I'm going to have to curse well, the boys. That's a really good way to put it. It's, it doesn't put anything in its place. It's a really great thing. I, I will add to that with the boys um, that it does, in a sense, the exact same thing that we criticize someone like how the portrayal of Captain America in the movies for, where it makes everything too simple. Yeah. Except in a negative way. Oh, it, it's okay. like everything is just bad and there's nothing there here that is good, um, which is the same problem and in a sense worse than what they do with someone like Captain America by saying it's everything. It's, it's simple cynicism, which is why what I, what I don't uh, like about okay. it. So, okay, cool. Cool. All right. Now, so you wanted to go in the middle lane. So the floor is yours. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Wow. Nathan, that was fantastic. I, uh, you shouldn't have caveated. You should have gone, this is going to be great. And then I can say, this one will be okay. <laughs> I know it is. I declare it. So, all right, blessings first. Um, I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse mm. is one of the best mm. stories about a superhero of all time. And it nails family. It nails the blessing that comes from mothers and fathers to sons and, yes. you know, to daughters too. The main character is male in this case. And I remember, man, the first time I saw that, I was, I was blown away by the art. I was blown away by the writing. But I also was, I was looking at, you know, the directing going, how did you figure this out? How did you, in such an uncynical way, go what this hero needs is to hear his dad say he loves him through the door and say and and validate him and i love going you know the the plot tension in that story all the way to his the final conflict is will the father love the son all the way through even when he's saying get up spider-man get up spider-man that movie blew me away yeah um I'm going to bless all your upcoming public publishing, Nathan. Yes. Um, so please keep writing. And then uh, this podcast for sure. 
let me a, th- a few things I would say my curveballs on oh man these aren't these don't relate directly to the heroic but my if I could just sort of erase one thing from the superhero consciousness it would be Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces Whoa. and its role in the mythopoeic men's movement because it's become the kind of thing that you have to talk about. It's George Saunders and the brain dead megaphone, right? It's a voice <laughs> that's so loud. You have to respond to it, even though it's so more like the scholarship is so poor. And when I read through that book and sort of the, here's my sweeping summaries of how the story of the Buddha works. And I just go, man, I just don't think, you read that story or that's a brave one that's that's not what that says these aren't this is not the way these stories work so whenever you know because he comes up and because the sort of compare like pseudo comparative religion thing that he does comes up i'm like oh joseph campbell i just i wish we could put that one to rest and not have to ever talk about it again Hmm. and then i would replace it with with a curveball um which would be superheroes relate to desire and our longing for the infinite. There is a book about that, that by, you know, one, one, of the, one of the Catholic theologians you should absolutely know, Christopher West, he wrote a book called Fill These Hearts. And it talks a lot about sexuality. It's just one of, it's one of the best books on human nature ever. And it's very readable. It talks about astrophysics. It talks about film, and uh, it applies directly to the heroic. So on on your bookshelf, just burn Hero of a Thousand Faces, replace it with <laughs> Fill These Hearts, and you will be off to a good start. I love it. That that is a brave and uh, confident, like a superhero, curse and bless. That was great. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, this, well, we liked it. We like it when our guests get edgy. They often yeah, that's keep good. safe curses. So we will like, hear about this in the private group and I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll try to be quick with my blessings and curses. Um, so I'm blessing, you get, as Nathan sort of alluded to, you, you probably know all the best comic book movies already. Yes. Yeah. Most favorite ones seen them again, like the early Spider-Man's, the Dark Knight's, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Iron Man, like great movie. And like you said, that this Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse. Like, if it's a great superhero movie, you've probably already seen it and yeah. you know how great it is. So I'm going to move over to comic books and do a couple of comic books that nice. really um, have, re- at least with the, the uh, uh, blesses that really resonated with me as a young man growing up and, and some of the things we talked about today. So first I'm going to bless um, Superman for all seasons. Cool. I think it's probably one of the best uh, Superman uh, uh, comic books written. Beautiful art style. Very, um, it looks like very um, Norman Rockwell-esque. Oh. Um, but also it does deal with the struggle of a young man who is has a lot of power and his parents are raising him in a humble way. And he's like, I want to figure out a way to make this, um, make the world better with this but struggling with that as the world becomes more actually complicated than he thought it was, how does he actually navigate that? They really take a very empathetic and, and beautiful look at Superman and the mythos. So I really like that. Um, I'm also, I'm gonna go a little bit um, uh, off the beaten path here with my next one, which I'm gonna bless the graphic novel, uh, World War Hulk. Wow, okay. Um, and I'm blessing it, because it is, it is part All of- right. To have, because, because the, it's a very complicated, um, but also superhero blockbuster type of comic book that deals with a bunch of the superheroes because Hulk kept smashing stuff, shot him off into space. 
Um, and then, but he comes back after experiencing tragedy in another world, comes back to get revenge on all the superheroes who did that to him. And it's him versus the entire Marvel universe. Um, and it's, but it's also them all navigating this morally gray area of Hulk was hurting people. Like what mm. else we were we supposed to do? And, you know, and Iron Man is one of the people who helped, uh, who shot him off into space. And one of the most beautiful and, and, and moments that I've ever read in comic books is in there where Iron Man is, while he's fighting Hulk, explaining to the world why he did what he did. Mm. And how he talks about how he says, yes, if you need someone to blame, blame me. So he starts out by taking responsibility and then and saying, maybe this was the wrong decision. I made it. I made it because I have this power and I have to do what is right for other people. Okay. And whatever it is, I'm going to take responsibility for it. It is one of the sort of beautiful monologues I've ever seen in superheroes. And it's at the beginning and the story only gets more complicated and interesting from there as but also reconciliation is part of it. So I think it's one of the most underrated, beautiful stories mm. about the issue of trying to be a good person with power in a complicated world. And so if you delved into the well of superheroes, but haven't delved that far, that's one I would, I would go for to challenge yourself with. Um, it's also one of the best artists working in comic books, John Romero Jr. works on it. So I love that for that awesome. reason. So I'm going to try to quickly, very quickly, um, a curse. One of them going to curse the new TV show Superman and Lois. Okay. Wait, because um, it's one of those things where they decided to they they made decide to make Superman a weak character because not physically, but he's always having to say he's the person in the wrong and always apologizing, even when he's not in the wrong. Hmm. Which for me, again, it, the only thing good about the best thing about Superman is that he's able to um, show the unity between power and goodness. And, and not always be the whipping boy for every character in the story. So that for me is like, that's not what how what the, the appeal of superheroes. So there's that one I'm going to curse. And on the other side of it, I'm going to curse the Judge Dredd movies, okay. just because they are the other side of it, which is it's it's fascistic. It's violence and authority mm. without accountability. It's the it's the it's the power without the goodness, without the accountability. So I'm going to curse. I, I, I would curse the Punisher movies, but I haven't seen them because I just don't like Punisher that much. So. Um, I'm also, again, I have mixed feelings on this movie, but I am going to want to, uh, I'm going to curse the Eternals. Okay. And the reason I'm cursing it is because it does do what you talked about, which is it's trying to create a world of heroes while taking the transcendent out of it. Basically, uh, they create gods and say, actually, God is evil, but you're still going to be heroes because you kind of feel like it. Mm. And I think that I, I, I enjoyed watching the movie, but as a piece of mythology, as a piece of superhero storytelling, it's utterly cuts its, it cuts off the branch it's sitting on. Okay. So uh, that's, those would be my curses. That's great. Well, this has been a really, really fun episode. I think a lot of people are going to love this. Um, Blaine, if people want to uh, connect with you or just the things you're doing, how can they find you and Ann Sons? Where are the places you direct them uh, to your work? Thank you guys. This has been so fun. I am fortunately becoming more difficult to find. <laughs> the, some of the, you can go, you can go look at Ansons, which you should do. I am no longer attached to that project. So, uh, but man, it's beautiful work. And the magazine is one of the few places that you can get published, uh, you know, with, as a young guy wanting to speak into the territory of initiation in the young man's soul, you should know that platform exists. Um, Mount Vigil 
M-O-U-N-T-V-I-G-I-L. If you like more, uh, in let's say, austere interpretations of reality, according to the revelation of Jesus, the consensus of the saints, the testimony of the Bible, weird parts of Christian history that are not often observed, uh, you can go over there. Um, and uh, then otherwise, if you are a homesteader or you are involved in small-time agriculture in some way, then it's more than likely that somewhere in the next couple of years, we'll just naturally run into each other. That's awesome. Uh, so, <laughs> and in, in which case I'll see you on the field. Fantastic. That's the first time we've gotten, we've asked someone, how can people get a hold of you? And you're like, ah, we'll probably we'll meet at some point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. All right. So well, you about you, Nathan, where can people reach you? Uh, they can reach me at nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. I'm still very... Um, very, very reachable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes I, it depends on the day. Yeah. Um, but you can also please, again, I'm going to give another plug, uh, grab my new book, um, The Way of Kings. It has a lot to do with what we talked about today. And I think that you, either man or woman, but for the man in your life, I think will really resonate with this if they resonated with this conversation today. Uh, so grab The Way of Kings anywhere books are sold. Uh, Joseph, how can people get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, even TikTok now. Just search Joseph Holmes. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much, uh, Blaine, for joining us. And thank all of you for joining us today. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.